0: for the sermon today. You can follow along. There's the sermon outline in the bulletin with some blanks that we'll fill in toward the end this morning. Also, version, which is a free app for your phone or mobile device. Excellent app. Uh, I've been doing my Bible readings on that this year, but it also has live events, and we're on there as well as we begin this new series. Different this morning we will be in First Peter for the next few weeks. PC Connect, by the way, I want to mention that again. It is coming up here in two weeks, so not next Sunday, but the next Sunday. It is for you. If you're wanting to become a member, if you've been visiting for a while, or maybe it's your first time here, you'd like to become a member of this church and what's going on here, or if you're just interested in finding out more, we'll have lunch together and we'll hang out. We've had a really good number of sign-ups so far online for this one, and you can register online. Uh, That information is in the bulletin this morning. We live on a planet that is many things, one of which is different. Um, I know it's normal to me, it's normal to you. I was born here, I've lived every day of my life on this planet, and with few exceptions on planet Earth, all of us have. A few of us have been in the International Space Station or whatever. Um, but it, it's a blessing to, to live in this place uh, because of the strangeness of our planet. And I don't know if you've thought much about that before, but new research has come out, it's been published, uh, that concludes that there are approximately 700 quintillion planets in the universe. But there is only one planet like this one. So, this Swedish astrophysicist named Eric Zakrasen used a computer model and arrived at this staggering figure, a seven, followed by 20 zeros. Wow. Discovery Magazine did kind of a summary of his research, and and they said this. Earth appears to have been dealt a fairly lucky hand. In a galaxy like the Milky Way, for example, most of the planets Zacharyson's model generated looked very different from Earth. They were larger, older, and very unlikely to support life. One of the most fundamental requirements for a planet to sustain life is to orbit in the quote-unquote habitable zone of a star. They call this the quote-unquote Goldilocks region where the temperature is just right and liquid water can exist. In conclusion, Earth is more than your garden variety planet. I like that phrase there in the middle of their summary. Earth has been dealt a fairly lucky hand. Perhaps uh, the better question would be, who dealt us that hand? Who dealt us that hand? Um, Compared to the rest of the universe, Earth is the strangest, flukiest weirdest hunk of rock anywhere, and thank God for that. Literally, thank God for designing this planet to be one that sustains life. Now, for some scientifically-minded people, this is one of the stronger arguments, actually, for the existence of God, the one in 700 quintillion planet on which we live. Well, not only did God... Revealed in Scripture and revealed by our experience that we have this amazing place to live. Well, not only did God draw up the plans for this planet to be so special that it would be this one-of-a-kind place where life could flourish, but if you'll let me switch gears for a second, He also drew up the idea of church. uh, A place that would bring life into a world that is spiritually dying, all right? In the middle of an inhospitable universe, God hardwired this planet to be different, to be an outpost of life, and in the middle of a spiritually inhospitable world where sin reigns, the church has been hardwired by the Holy Spirit to be a place where human beings flourish. Amen? So this morning we're launching into the study in this small book of 1 Peter that we're calling different because normal isn't working. I basically stole the title from a guy named Craig Groeschel who who wrote a book by by a very similar title, but the content comes from another book. The content comes from 1 Peter. And Being different, isn't that really, after all, what we are to be in Jesus Christ? I mean, think about that for a second. The culture around us tells us to grab as much as I can for myself. Jesus comes along and says, It's more blessed to give than to receive. The world comes along and says, Hate your enemies. Jesus says, Do good for your enemies. The world comes along and says, get revenge. Jesus comes along and says, forgive those who have wronged you. The world comes along and says, look out for number one. Jesus says, look out for the least of these. The culture around us tells us it's normal, normal to hold a grudge. Jesus says, hold out grace. Normal, as it turns out, doesn't work all that well for people. Now look, way before people down in another part of our state came up with that slogan, keep Austin weird, <laughs> Peter came up with this idea or was inspired by the Holy Spirit with this with his idea, keep the church weird. Okay? Keep the church weird. The world needs us to be different. Doesn't need us to be like the world. And following Jesus involves being different in a world where clearly normal isn't working. Okay, I mean, we as disciples of Christ, we are called to be strangers in this world. Different. And difference makers in a world where people are hurting. So right off the top, let's just acknowledge something. Let's just acknowledge the pressure that, there, that is around all of us to to fit in, to go with the flow, to just kind of get along, not make waves. There is that pressure all around us. And let's start by acknowledging that and by asking a simple question. So this is on the outline this morning. First, that acknowledgement. We all experience enormous pressure to be normal and fit in. And the question is, so how how's that working out for you how's that working out for you how's that going and I think it's a legitimate question how does a peer pressure driven lifestyle work out for people does it really make us happier does it increase or decrease the amount of stress that you're living with does it make your marriage better does it make you happier so look, and this is on the outline this morning. Second thing there is, Peter calls Christians, and this is what we're going to see in the series, Peter calls Christians to grasp, to embrace, that through the work of the Spirit, we are wired to be weird. <laughs> yeah, you are wired to be weird if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. As part of our salvation, we have been saved from normal. We have been saved from the cycles of selfishness and hate that we see at work around us. Peter writes in this letter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, he writes this, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. That word holy translated means Different, doesn't it? It means to be separate. It means, holy means differentiated from what is normal. In verse 18, he tells them, you were redeemed from what? From the empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers so he says for years for generations there was this let's call it normal trajectory it was handed down it was handed down it was handed down and it was all laid out for you it launched you in this particular direction in life but it was according to peter empty it was chasing your tail. It was futile. Um, and God loved you enough to get involved and to redeem you out of that. Listen to how the message translates that verse, verse 18. It cost God plenty to get you out of that dead end, empty-headed life you grew up in. Normal was Dead end. And many of you are experiencing that right now. What's the status quo? What everyone else is doing is simply not working for you. It is a dead end. It is empty headed. It is this uninspired moral autopilot. That the culture sets you on when you are born and that God redeems you out of by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what redemption is. Redemption involves a price being paid to rescue us, to get us off this uninspired, dead-end trajectory. So here we are. We're the redeemed. We are set free from this futility of what is normal and Peter reminds us of our identity of who we are in Christ Jesus in first Peter chapter 2 verse 9 listen closely to these words Peter says you are a chosen generation you are a royal priesthood a holy nation a peculiar people a peculiar people different. In a world where normal isn't working. Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 17, live your lives as strangers here. Again in chapter 2 verse 11, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. So there it is. Disciples of Christ, we are different. We are strangers. We are an alien presence in this culture. And when I hear that word alien, I think out of this world. Out of this world. And that's who, according to Peter, that's who God's children are hardwired to be. Hardwired to be out of this world. Different in a world where normal isn't working. Now, over the coming weeks, we're going to explore what this means, different layers of this. But Peter comes to this comes to this place where he feels like he needs to write this letter to Christians who are living all around different parts of the ancient Roman world. And he says they are strangers, they are aliens, and really they are in a couple of different ways. One is just kind of a literal way. There was this diaspora, fancy Greek word, meaning the scattering There were waves of persecution launched. We read about some of those in the book of Acts. And people scattered to save their children, to save their lives. And as they went, they took the message of Christ with them. So quite literally, you had a lot of Christians living far from home. Living in places where they didn't speak the language or they spoke the language with an accent. Uh, places where they didn't understand all the cultures. Where they didn't totally fit in just from a being a foreigner, being an alien type of standpoint. They had been scattered to find safety so that they wouldn't get arrested. So that they wouldn't get murdered for their faith. So, Yeah. They were strangers. They were aliens in these foreign lands, but there is a, a deeper meaning. We'll get to that in a minute. Now, if you have lived abroad, and I know several of us ha- or some of us have here, if you've lived abroad for any amount of time, you know what that feels like, okay? You know there are constant reminders, okay? Small reminders and big reminders that you are an outsider. You can learn the language, you can get fluent in the language but there will still be reminders along the way that you don't totally belong there, okay? If you've lived abroad, you know that. A couple of weeks ago, um, we went back to to Brazil. We lived there for 10 years. Uh, My son was born there. Both of my kids were essentially raised there. It was like home to us. We learned to speak Portuguese. We love the culture. We love Brazilian people. Um, But after all that we went through and all of the cultural experiences and the learning and everything, there are still reminders that we are not really Brazilian, we don't totally belong there, and so we're there visiting. And we went to this restaurant that I remember back that I near the where the church was planted, and so we'd go there for lunch sometimes back when we were planting the church. And I took my family there. It was kind of uh, mid afternoon, so the place was pretty empty, and they have really good roasted chicken. So. I ordered roasted chicken. My family was enjoying this roasted chicken, rice and beans and this big platter of french fries they brought out. And we ordered some, some fresh squeezed fruit juice and it was really great. And you know, what do you need to go with your french fries? Yeah, you got to have ketchup. So I asked the waiter, I said, hey, um, sir, could we please have some ketchup? His answer was this. I'm sorry, we don't serve pizza here. (laughs) Now, that may sound totally strange to you. To Isla and I, it completely made sense. Brazilians don't eat ketchup with their french fries. Ketchup is to put on your pizza. And as weird as that sounds to you... It is the opposite to them. What? You don't put ketchup on your pizza? So his answer to me when I said, could we have some ketchup, was, we don't serve pizza here. Just reminders. No matter how long we live there, no matter how well we learn to speak the language, we still feel that French fries need ketchup. We're still just too stinking American, you know? Um, But there are these reminders. We're not totally at home there. And Peter is saying, you're not totally at home here because this world really is not your home. It is not your permanent address. And that is the second and deeper meaning. Yeah, he's talking to people who have been spread out around the ancient Roman world. But more than that, wherever they live, even if it's in the house they grew up in, if they have given their lives to Christ... They are now resident aliens. They are strangers in this world. Look, I can carry a U.S. passport. Uh, I I do. I do carry a U.S. passport. I love my country, but really, my permanent residency, my permanent citizenship is not here. It's with God. It's with the Lord. It's in heaven, and that is important to remember, lest... We get too comfortable here, lest we feel too much at home here, because the world, think about it, the world doesn't need for us to feel at home here. The world doesn't really need for us to fit in and get along. The world needs for God's people to be different. The culture needs that. The world needs that from us to be different, to be God's children. The world needs for you and I to embrace who we are in Jesus Christ so that the world can find redemption, so that the world can find hope. The world needs for the church to be different, not the same, because quite frankly, normal isn't working for the world. Turn on the news. The same hates and prejudices that were at work 50 years ago in our country, they're still at work. We can't save ourselves. We're not capable of redeeming ourselves. We need the intervention of God, and the world needs the church to be the church, to be salt, to be light, to be seasoning, to be different, to bring the presence of God into the brokenness of this world. So in Christ, you are... And this may not sound great to you, but it's the truth. You are hardwired to be weird. Okay, That's who you are in Christ. And one thing that makes us, I like that phrase in the King James Version, peculiar people. Uh, peculiar is a peculiar word. I like that word. Um, one thing that makes us peculiar, different, strange, weird, not normal, is this hope that we share And it's one of the things that we gather to celebrate and rejoice in each week, the hope. And so Peter lays this out in the first words of this book. Let's talk about this hope for a minute. I'm calling it a high-impact hope. This is on your outline this morning. The first thing Peter tells us is, look, I know that my life is God's project. And he is busy transforming me for his glory. Peter tells us that. Look at this in verse 2. God the Father has his eye on each of you and has determined by the work of the Spirit to keep you obedient through the sacrifice of Jesus. May everything good from God be yours. Leave that up there for a second. That last phrase, isn't that great? May everything good from God be yours. Why don't you say that out loud with me? May everything good from God be yours. Say that again. That's good. May everything good from God be yours. That is Peter's prayer for the church. That is my prayer for you. Everything good that God has for you, everything that he has laid out in his plans for you, I want you to have that. I want you to live in that. I want you to rest in that. And because of what Christ Jesus has done for us, because of what he has promised for us, and because of what the Spirit... Is doing in us, Peter talks about that. We have this high impact hope that shapes and changes the way that we live. And in the opening chapter here, Peter lays that out. The second thing is this write this one down. I know that my life is God's project and He's busy transforming. We already talked about that, so let's move on. Second thing, I know that the greatest imaginable treasure is mine. Think about this. The greatest imaginable treasure is mine, and it is guaranteed by God. It's better than FDIC, all right? Um, Verses 3 and 4, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven, and the future starts now. It doesn't start after you die. It starts the day you embrace Jesus as your Lord and Savior. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. That's amazing. I love that. I mean, no matter what you have gone through, no matter what you are going through at this moment or what you're going to have to face in your life the reality is that you have been given this awesome inheritance, this treasure, and it is from God. No one is going to take it away from you. You don't have it all yet, okay? But God is keeping his eye on you. God is keeping his eye on this inheritance, and he is guaranteeing that the future that you will enjoy with him is going to be marvelous beyond comprehension. And that gives us some pretty amazing perspective when we're going through stuff that isn't that awesome or marvelous right now. Because we know what's coming. God's given us a preview of coming attractions through the resurrection of Jesus and through these promises. The next thing is this, I know that whatever suffering and trials I face, it's temporary and puny, okay, compared to the glory that is to come. He says in verse 6, and these are people that are they're living as strangers, they're living as outsiders, and life is not easy for these people. He says, be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you have to endure many trials for a little while, he's saying, look, I'm not denying the fact your life is hard. I'm not denying that you have problems, that you have challenges that you face. You're going to wake up and you're still going to be facing those. Peter is not saying what's real and what hurts isn't real and it doesn't hurt. He's saying just look at that in perspective. It is so temporary and so small compared to what God has promised you. Now Peter also wants us to know all of this richness that we've received, this grace that we've received from God, it is actually supposed to do something in our lives right now. That we have not been just saved from something, but saved for something. And that something is a life of action. It is following Jesus. That's what a disciple does, follows Jesus. And so we get to live out this new identity and show the world this is what love looks like. Okay? Not just loving the person that's the same as you, that votes the same of you, that roots for the same team as you or whatever, but loving people because they're all made in the image of God. Not just forgiving people who deserve forgiveness or ask for forgiveness, but being a people who forgive by nature because we have been forgiven all of our sins. Um, The world needs for us to be this people This people of action, this people following Jesus, because normal isn't working for the world. The next thing is this. So I know that my great hope launches me into a life of action, a life of action. Um, Prepare your minds, verse 13. Prepare your minds for action. In other words, get ready The gun is about to sound. The race is starting. Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Put your hope on that and get ready to move. Get ready to be at work in this world. And finally, write this down. I know that my life cannot and must not ever be the same. I've got to grow. I've got to be changing. That's the Spirit's work in me. I shouldn't be an obstacle to His work. I shouldn't gunk that up. I need to allow the Spirit to flow and work in me so that I can be changed, so that I can be different. He says in verses 14 and 15, as obedient children, do not conform, okay? Do not get along or go along or fit in. He says, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do, for it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Okay, so today, the first verses of chapter one, that's just a snapshot of what Peter's going to be talking about and what we're going to be diving into for the next few weeks, but what a beautiful snapshot he gives us, right? So as we finish, let me just kind of put two things before you. The first... I think it's more of a challenge or a question. It's this, if you are a disciple, if you've made that life choice, if you've embraced what God has done for you, if you're a disciple, will you accept the trajectory that God has put you on? When you were born again, when you were made a new creation, when you were put on that new trajectory, will you accept that or will you go back to what was normal, to the old patterns of life, the old ways of thinking. The truth is, for a lot of us, fitting in is way too important. It's really holding us back, the pressure to fit in. And it matters, this question matters so much that some people will actually abandon the project of the Holy Spirit, and move away from the reality God has called them to because of the pressure to fit in. The second thing is this. What a great day to put on Jesus Christ in baptism. What a great day today to express your faith in Christ, to begin walking in that identity that he purchased for you through his death, burial, and resurrection to become this difference maker, this world changer, this Christ follower in a world that desperately needs to see something different, something hopeful, something beautiful. Today, you can express that faith in him. You can cross that line of faith and be baptized in the name of Jesus. Or maybe this morning, you're just here needing prayers, Because yeah, the pressure is mounting. It's hard right now. You need prayers that this hope can be rekindled, that you can keep your eye on the prize and that you can live as the man or woman that God has called you to live. Maybe you just need prayers. What we do is we just invite you to pray with somebody around you, pray with your small group or your family or a person sitting by you on the pew or come down and pray with me or one of our shepherds. But bring that before the Lord and believe that he listens because you know what he wants for you. Believe that he wants to give that to you. So ask for it. Let's be standing and respond to God as we stand.